Welcome to the Classic Car Guy podcast, where we're dressing salesmen for success. Uh, you've got Mike and Eric here today, and we're talking about the art of persuasion, Mike. Yeah, Eric, The uh, we talked in the last podcast about this uh, article that I found that uh, talked about Aristotle, uh, you know, a Greek philosopher from way, way back, you know, talking about the three things of persuasion. that, And I just kind of captivated me in the fact that even then, you know, and it wasn't like I don't think he was the number one chariot salesman in Greece. No. You know, they, uh, <laughs> I don't even think he was a horse trader. But, you know, he did understand as a philosopher who had to stand in front of large crowds and make a point, you know, the art of persuasion. Right. And the uh, and we kind of skipped over it last time, and I just kind of wanted to go back over it. And kind of the, my point is, is I want everybody to understand that you know this job's not brain surgery. No, you know it, it is discipline, but it's not brain surgery. The other, and I think that when we go out and do the interviews and recruit and everything else, that some people have this idea that you know there's some secret sauce to this. That, mm-hmm. You know. And we've recruited everything from what uh, forklift drivers to you know doctorate yeah. doctorate degrees, attorneys. Uh, we had one kid who went to med school and came in, and and the uh, you know it, it cuts across all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And it's not a skill set that has to be uh, born with, right? You know, it's a uh, it's just something that basically is a normal everyday thing that anybody can do. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is I wanted people to understand that, you know, as the economy becomes much more managed, mm-hmm. and by that I mean margins get extracted out and everything else, and, and it seems like everything's kind of flowing to the top, I think a lot of jobs that are available in this managed economy kind of suck. Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, and this is a job where if you're just a human being, you can come in and make a damn good living at this. Matter of fact, in most cases, you could, if you're good at this, you could make more money than anybody's going to offer you for a salary. Right. You just got to own it. Mm-hmm. And it's not that hard. But, you know, last week we had Aristotle and we quoted him, but he talks about the art of persuasion as basically three things. One, establishing your credibility, appealing to emotion or making a valid argument. Right. And, you know, it's just Credible stuff. I mean, all of that's credible. And the, uh, you know, and it's got to be authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't come off manipulative. Right. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of talk about these three things, which kind of cuts the entire sales process down to three. Right. You know, and, and all the complications <laughs> we have with this and in all the books and all the videos and everything else, it's just basically these three things. Sure. And sure. The, uh, so, you know, what do you, to you, Eric, I mean, establishing your credibility, where does yeah. that come from? What does that mean to you? You know, I think as far as the credibility side of it, you know, one is, can, do I act professional? You know, is my attitude professional? Is the way I greet somebody professional? Uh, the way that I communicate with somebody, you know, yeah. as far as maybe even the counseling or discovery, you know, am I asking uh, questions more about how I can help them solve some of their solutions or is it directed all towards me, me, me? You know, that comes yeah. a big deal. Because their credibility comes from, do they trust me? Am I honest yeah. enough? You know, my product itself, do I know enough about my product uh, to be truthful and upright? You know, and yeah. so well, that'll give you a good, that'll give you a good lead in as far as building that credibility uh, as far as yourself, you know, being human about it. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. the, the, uh, you know, they talked about, you know, being authentic, right? you know, so just yeah. go out there and be you mm-hmm. now in my mind. 
you have to take charge. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, we used to laugh at the day and say that you wouldn't go to your doctor and tell him how to set your broken leg. Right. So, you know, the guy's in the store and you are the expert. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're here to solve his problems, help him out, and get him down the road in a new car. Right. But, you know, for me, a lot comes into the uh, credibility. Uh, you know, eye contact, the way you look, the way you present yourself, the way you communicate, all. And, and it's got to be real, of course. Right. It's got to be, like I said, you're here to help the guy out. But, you know, we talked before in previous podcast about the dress code. You know, yeah. if you go out there in frumpy clothes like you slept in them or if you're looking in a sharp shirt that's pressed and sharp pants that are pressed. You know, in the uh, you got a good smile on your face. You're, you know, you're, you're trimmed up. Yeah. You haven't got the 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 Taliban beard, right? Yeah, the uh, you look good, you know. It, well, my thought was ever, Mike, if I wanted the guy to spend a million bucks, I better look a million bucks. Well, yeah, you know, he's you not going to hand a million bucks to anybody. Well, you know, you know there's like they're saying, there's two things that are going to go down here. There's going to be a value presentation, and or there's going to be a price war, right? Right. And, the, and if you're going to sell yourself as a value, you got to look like one. Exactly. You know, millionaires hang out with millionaires, right, Mike? Right. So if the, you want to so spend credible. a million bucks, yeah, the, uh, just got to be credible. And I really like the idea that, you know, you just got to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, you know, you got to be you, you, you know, no sleazy, tell you what I'm going to do, all right. that shit, you know, that comes out of, you know, the old what days. Another 50 bo- what another 50 bucks do for Yeah, yeah you know, no throwing <laughs> the keys on the roof. And the, uh, you know, you, you're going to go out and you're going to earn it. Earn it, it. Yeah, earn absolutely. It. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, Eric, and then we talk about, you know, appealing to emotion. You know, and how many times have you seen a guy go out and do a feature benefit presentation and just basically do a feature dump? Right. You know just, mean? yep. Here's Gotta your tilt wheel, yeah. here's your radio, here's your power <laughs> windows, here's your sunroof, you know, and, and just devoid of emotion. Right. And the, uh, so when we talked about, we always trade in the feature benefit presentation that you get a receipt. Right. You know, that we don't talk for free, mm-hmm. but our price isn't always money. Right. You know, at this step, I want feedback. I want to know I'm pushing buttons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of times I think that we kind of get locked into it because we know it. Oh, we assume that they know it and somehow we shortcut it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Rather yeah. than expand this entire feature to the maximum benefit. And then get a receipt to generate some emotion. And it'll actually benefit people in different ways. You know, some people use their cargo and trunk space differently or back seats differently. How they use the vehicle plays into part. You know, a lot of sales guys, they skip out a lot of information in discovery and they just basically go after their needs and wants, but they never discover, you know, what do they use the vehicle for? What are the primary uses? You know, guys, families, you know, guys with... Uh, kids, you know, they're going to use it for multiple reasons. Guys that don't have any kids or a family is going to use the car for different. So you can address or you can connect to different attachments or emotional attachments yeah. based on different ways. The customer gives you that. I call it the hidden value. The customer yeah. owns it. Well, you know, you know? the, uh, I'm sure there, there are certain words or a vocabulary you can use that mean more than another word. Absolutely. To get a guy turned on, mm-hmm. you know, immersive, uh, you know, all these different ways you can describe something. Right. You know, and I just wonder, even me, if I'm guilty of it, you know, where we don't spend enough time looking at these features and trying to develop some emotional vocabulary about it, mm-hmm. you know, where it kind of, it kind of uh, stimulates the emotion. Right. And the, uh, I just wonder, you know, if everybody could kind of tune that up a little bit, if that'd be worth more gross, you know. And the way that the feature develops, you know, yeah. is you, it's all based on you. You know, if that, if that emotion or that feature that you're displaying 
you know, to make that attachment to the customer, if you're just dumping information on them, they're only hearing like Charlie Brown (laughs) and they're not hearing it, you know? And so if you can directly relate it on how they're going to use this and how it would benefit them and their family, that's where it really comes to. And when you talk about breaking down emotions, you know, as far as people that come in, you know, I remember when the uh, Bluetooth first came out, half the time we would sit there, we got so excited about being able to sync up your phone, you know, to the cars and you'd get in there and half the phones wouldn't work. So you'd have to tell your, your, uh, customer that just bought a car that their phone doesn't connect because they have a, you know, that was before digital phones. It was back on the analog phones didn't come out. You know, this is back in the early two thousands when people think that Bluetooth was just around here lately, but you know, and I remember that half the time they were so emotionally attached to that one feature that it was like deflating them, you know, when they couldn't sync up their phone. And we even had a, we had a uh, phone department at the dealership so that we could upgrade their phone (laughs) to sync up because we knew that that was, Hey, listen, your phone doesn't work, but we can offer you an, uh, you know, a new phone here at no charge and that will link up. And that's kind of, we got them, we got them emotionally attached that way. So it's just, it's something. It's something as simple as bringing one simple uh, feature to life and how they use it. You know, and um, though it just kills me. You know, in the day, you know, the, the, turn them on in the car was Chrome, right? You know, Chrome yeah. and sexy and everything else. Zero to sixty, right? You know, the, they'd buy these cars and then they'd go out and probably spend another I don't know thousand dollars putting seventies tires on the back end and you know hurt shifters and all this stuff. And now we've evolved to, you know, what? Blue lights under the car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a plasma TV right. on the dashboard. My my, daughter, <laughs> my my oldest daughter just bought a car and there was only two features she asked for. She wanted the backup cameras and she wanted the push start. That's all. That's all she wanted was the push start. She huh. didn't want to have to pull her keys out of the out of her purse or anything. She just wanted to get in the car, push it, be able to clearly back up she so she don't hit anybody. She didn't want to seek her phone up to the, None the, of that. the TV or whatever. She, she still, I keep trying to get her to, I keep showing her the uh, car play. And, uh, you know, she, she just can't stand it. She's like, I don't want to mess with all that. I just want to put in there whoa. and back up and push start. So yeah. she... She doesn't say you can listen to your music and everything. She just doesn't want to hear any of this. So now you have to go out and you have to do a feature benefit receipt presentation on tech. Yeah. uh, On tech. Yeah. Well, you know, and a lot of, yeah, you know, I think emotional comes through, you know, that's why we identify oftentimes what type of buyer we're dealing with. You know, a guy that's a luxury tech buyer, he's going to feed off of different emotions than a guy that's a performance sex buyer, you know, or just that budget economy buyer. He's going to feed off of. You know, an inexpensive, you know, easy yeah. to maintenance, you know, gas mileage performance. The why the car was designed specifically for uh, him to go down the road without right. having any kind of resistance, you know. And so, but, you know, even us, Eric, I mean, right. me and you, I mean, I don't think in reading this that I use enough adjectives to stimulate emotion. Right. You know, I can show the feature. I can tell the benefit and everything else. But I think I could sit down and spend some time and reword some of my tracks on that sure. stuff to stimulate more emotion. Absolutely. Yeah. Rather than say big, immersive, you know, and you see it on the commercials all the time. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, it, uh, we discount getting that emotion to a peak. Now, we we understand that. We know we have to get it up and we kind of count on it peaking at the demo drive. Right. But the uh, we could probably do more. Yeah. To stimulate some emotion on that. I remember when the honeycomb grills first came out, we were fighting against the waterfront grills. You had the honeycomb grills, then you had the billet grills. And I had a guy one time talking about, and you're talking about different vocabulary. 
uh, and had a guy who was like, well, what's, what's the biggest difference to you? I was like, well, I said, do you always wear the same sunglasses as your buddy does? You know, I said, yeah. that's the way you look going down the road. You know, you want to put your different types of glasses or that front end look. That's why you have different styles of grills. I said, so it's all about, it's all about you personality and what you want it to look like when you're traveling down. He goes, I want something really big. So we got him one of the big bug shields, you know, <laughs> the brush guard with the guy had a winch or that he wanted everybody yeah. to know he was coming. So, yeah, you know, no, Eric and Bean. that was an emotional attachment. Yeah. You know, the guy spends an extra 1500 bucks just to put all those extra things on. Even though, he, even though he just proved he was compensating. <laughs> hey, listen, he was wearing big sunglasses. For yeah. a reason, right? He had real small hands. <laughs> I really didn't pay that much attention, Mike. Well, there goes all your credibility. I, I didn't know. <laughs> hey, listen, man, I was just trying to persuade hey. him. To to so. I, so. I remember one time I was at a, a at a kickball game from my kids or whatever the uh and we were talking about the new camaro had come out or something one of the dads was one of these pretentious assholes who uh you know was sitting there and just slamming the camaro you want a real car get a porsche and i just happened to say to him i said man that's got small dick all over it <laughs> and he goes oh you know jesus christ 75 grand i said well you got 75 grand get your dick fixed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those uh, i guess it was like you know, just too easy. Right. I, I had to jump them. Yeah. <laughs> that was the benefit, right? That's, that's right. Yeah, that's, that, right. that's how you were making the credibility yeah. argument, right? So. <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to appealing slap Appealing to his emotions. <laughs> yeah, oh, is that appealing to his emotions? Yeah. <laughs> you know, did you see that? Uh, did you ever see that 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 survey that they uh, a buddy of mine bought a Beamer? And, the, and I said, well, you saw that Beamer survey, didn't you? And he goes, no, what? And I said, they did a survey of BM drivers, BMW drivers. They found that they really are dicks. Right. <laughs> I always ask, hey, did you have to watch that hour video when you bought that car? And I also said, what hour video? I said, you know, how to be a dick. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, did you, I got it, I saved it somewhere, but I got an ad that was an old ad from the 70s or the 80s. And right. it was a BMW ad and it said, go ahead and buy it. Your friends don't like you anyway. Right. <laughs> 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 Those were just the old straightforward, you know, about yeah. they were basically appealing to your emotions and they were yeah. basically giving you a pretty valid argument. Wouldn't That's agree? right. Yeah. So. And the, uh, can, can you, see, you know, we could never interview at the BMW store. Right. The, no, uh, no. But the, so. the last one, Eric, is make a valid argument. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and a lot of times I think we go out and we just tell them what we want because we want it. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, they skip the argument side of it, that there has to be a reason. Now, when I came up in the business, I was always taught that you couldn't drop price just, you know, nilly willy. Right. That I had to have a justification every time I dropped of why I was dropping price. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they would think that this could go on all day. Right. But now I think we go out, we get the initial offer from, uh, we go out and present the initial offer from a customer. They come back counter or somewhere along the lines of budget or shopping or whatever excuse they have. And we just cave mm -hmm. and we leave the value, the valid argument on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's always another value argument to make, you know, to, to justify the extra $40 a month or $100 a month or the extra down payment or why you need to hold your price or why his trade's not worth as much as he thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and I think that the 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 only 
caveat to this is it truly does have to be a valid argument. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can't come out and say, hey, I, you can't have that for your car because I don't want to give it to you. Yeah. And we used to even do that with some of the old Kelly Blue Books. You know, got customers would come in and they would say, well, Kelly Blue Book said my car was worth XYZ. And, yeah. you know, we would give them a valid argument as to why here in Indiana the car was $1,500 less because – Kelly Blue Book puts us in a region. So that's Ohio, Kentucky, yeah. uh, Illinois, and Chicago. And I said, you know, the cost of living in all these areas sometimes are higher than that. So it Kelly Blue Book will show the higher sides of those based on the cost of living in the surrounding areas. I said, but here, you know, the cost of living is lower. Our prices of our cars, you know, if I was to raise, you know, the cost of the, the new car like they were in Chicago, we yeah. would equal out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the customer, that, that argument always stood because there was some validity to that because of the cost of living, you know, we gave them good valid arguments and that was where you don't have to pull your pants down so fast and right. give up the whole uh, extra 1500 bucks because we're not really, we're not competing in the market with Chicago or Missouri or uh, those types uh, Eric, of places. I mean, there's so. all kinds. I mean, oh, absolutely. I, yeah, but so. what I always found out was they did was, you know, the guy goes in, he's got a POS car that's mm-hmm. got, you know, 148,000 miles on it. It's been road hard, put up wet. And he goes to Blue Book and picks clean. Right. You know what I mean? And then you have to go out and make an argument and everything else. And it's got to be his numbers because that adds validity to it. Right. You know, if you say it, it's bullshit. If he says it, it's gold. And they said, and go it out there and let him depreciate his own car. What's right. it going to cost to fix that? What's it going to cost to fix that? But the uh, it, it, don't leave it on the sidelines. You mm-hmm. know, if a guy would come at me in the clothes and he'd say, you know, can I get a can I get more money for my car? You know, it, no, right, no, right off the bat, no, and just see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. So you tell the guy no, and he comes back, and then he says, I need more money for my car. Why do you say that? Right, I say that because of this Y X Y Z. And then you take that argument, whatever he made, and there's an argument to make that where he's got some mistakes in his argument. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, like I said, it doesn't work all the time. There are no absolutes, but this is percentages. Mm-hmm. All it has to be is valid. Right. Is valid. You know, and the uh, we came up in the oil embargo of the 70s and, you know, gas doubled and it just shocked the world. And the headlines in the paper said gas could go to 50 cents a gallon. Right. You know, and the uh, that shocked the world. And all of a sudden you had to have a million miles to the gallon car and people came in and they traded in their big cars that got nine to 15 miles to gallon, took an absolute beating on them right. and jumped in an automatic with air Chevette. You know, which, by the way, you had to turn the air off to pass anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, then it all settled down, I think, around 76, 77. And oh, they came running back in, took a beating on the Chevettes and bought brought right back into the big cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were rationing V8 engines right up to the next increase. You know, you couldn't get a V8 Cutlass or a V8 Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. We could get all the, the the Buick V6s you wanted, you know, which nobody wanted to buy. Right. But they were rationing V8s. Then gas goes to 85 cents a gallon and boom, you know, the same thing happens over again. So we sit there and you can make the valid argument of why a guy, you know, the, the payback on the gas mileage versus the beating he was going to take on his car was just huge. Right. And, you know, we just sit there and like give you another example. The uh, The citation came out. I think it was 79. And they didn't make them fast enough. First front-wheel drive car General Motors had. I think right. the, the K car, uh, Chrysler already had theirs out. Mm-hmm. 
And the uh, so it comes out, everybody wanted one. We had these order banks that were huge, uh, huge. And the uh, and they raised the price. They raised the price dramatically the first six months that car was out. I mean, like 40, 50 percent. Wow. And the uh, and it was still huge. But, you know, you couldn't get them. But you had a lot full of Malibus, you know, and the uh, but nobody wanted them. So we had to sit down and generate a valid argument to make uh, to show the customer that buying the Malibu and the payback versus but the payback of buying a, a citation, mm-hmm. you know, it was a much better deal to buy the Malibu and a cheaper deal to buy the Malibu. Right. And the uh, and I had to train all the salesmen on how to make that valid argument. Now it's just it's just there's all kinds of those arguments out there that are valid, right? You know, that a lot of times the customer just wants what he wants, and you know does hasn't thought it through. Come down, I mean, it's the same thing as far as you know your competitors. You know, your your valid argument as to whatever you're up against. You know, I I sold the GMC Sierras, and we were always fighting the Chevrolets. You know, they wanted to know why a Chevy was cheaper. But realistically, a GMC had standard options that you would have to get into a different trim line to match a Chevy to a GMC. And when you match the trim line with Chevrolet, as an example, maybe an LT3 package was the same as a entry-level GMC Sierra. Well, if you looked at the Chevy price at uh, the LT3, it was actually higher than what our entry-level GMC was well, with no, Power Windows. Was it really? So, yeah. Well, that and makes so, me mad. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I understand being a Chevy yeah, guy. Yeah, but, right. I mean, and that was, so we had to articulate that argument as to when they would come in, like, well, I can go buy a Chevrolet cheaper than this. Well, they start out at so-and-so. Yeah, but they're Armstrong-powered windows. All of ours had power windows on there. Yeah. You know, the chrome bumpers versus the painted bumpers. You know, you had... The differences in the seats, you know, they had the vinyl, we had the cloth, they had car, uh, they had the vinyl uh, floors, we had carpet floors, you know, it was just small little things that the GMC Sierra had basic, our entry level truck was a lot more than what the Chevy's entry level truck yeah. was. And so work truck, whatever it was. So, you know, you know the point is, if you know, if, you, if a guy goes out, a new guy, especially mm-hmm. the guys we're talking to for the most part. Sure. You know, and you bump your head into the wall or you, you slam into a wall with an argument, just, you know, don't just put it away. Right. Uh, sit down and think about that later. And, mm-hmm. you know, sit down and think, well, you know, he said this, I could have said that. And if I said that, it could have gone this way or this way. And role play in your mind until you can figure out a valid argument to make, yeah. you know, to overcome it the next time you hear it. You, you know, know, having an objection book is not a bad idea. You know, I mean, I used to keep those myself just so I could see a lot of the same patterns. If I was getting the same objections over and over again, I realized I was like, it must be something I'm saying that's causing these objections because there's no way all these people are saying the same thing about this. You yeah. know what I mean? And typically it was. I would find something that I was saying that was driving that objection up. Right. And so, you know, having that or sitting down, like you said, if there's an argument coming up with a valid argument, doing a little bit more research, finding some different terminology or right. vocabulary to make a difference there. So, well, you for know, sure. just, And the option sucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to sit down and, and not make an argument, right. uh, not make a valid argument, you're just going to roll on price. Right. And then you're going to look up one day and you're going to bitch and you're going to say, why are all my deals mini deals? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, the, uh, and, you know, if we're going to do that, you know, we might as well put them on the shelf with toothpaste and everything else and just commodity sell cars. Right. You know, right. Uh, this is the value that you add to the process. You uh-huh. know what I mean? And the uh, to go out and put your best foot forward, your product's best foot forward and your store's best foot forward and make a valid argument of why it's worth money. Right. You yeah. know, I, I'll tell you a quick little story about valid arguments. And I didn't even have to say anything, but I had a guy one time come out and look at a car and, uh, 
he came out and looked at it. Now, this car had damage on one side. The other side was perfect. And the pictures on the internet obviously never showed the damage side, right? So they got the good side pictures. They got the interior pictures. And, Mike, it was probably $3,800 cheaper than anything else in the market. That year, miles, everything, $3,800 less. The guy comes out. He's looking at it. And he goes, he goes, oh, my gosh, it's wrecked on the other side. You know, on the whole other side, there's damage down to it. And I just looked at the guy, and I said, sir, I said, why did you come and look at this vehicle when you saw it online? And he goes, well, it was $4,000 cheaper than all the rest. I said, did that not raise <laughs> one red flag as to maybe there was something going on with the car? We only have and, half a car. And he just looked at me. <laughs> I mean, like, he really just looked at me, and he goes, yeah, I did. I uh, knew that there was something wrong. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. I was like, now so you do. Other, other, than, other than that, that we obviously didn't charge you for, is there anything else that you don't like about the vehicle? <laughs> I said, obviously, we didn't charge you for any of that damage. That's why it's priced the way it is. You yeah. know? And he just looked, and we kind of laughed and chuckled a little bit. And he was in there trying to rationalize his mind how much would it cost him to, to repair that, that damage yeah. and buy that car. And I can't remember right now. I think he ended up not buying the car, but I just laughed and laughed. But that was kind of the, yeah. you know, that's kind of the valid argument there. Uh, so, Eric, I had to, but, I had a guy come in and he trades in, a, I don't know, back, it's back in the late 70s, uh, but I think it was a 78 or something Camaro. Had a nice car, looked good, everything else. It was an average car, I call it, everything else. But back then, you know, cars rusted fast. Right. So we cleaned up the car, put it on the lot, everything else looks good. The guy comes in and they want to take it for a test drive. So him and the salesman hop in. And, and when, as part of our demo drive route, we had to go over these railroad tracks. And, you know, some winners, that railroad track would pothole up and everything else. But they go across the railroad track and the entire bottom third of the car fell off. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out the guy who traded it in had all this rust, you know, and he put in steel wool in the oh, rust holes. No. Then he duct taped over it and then he hucky pucked it and then sanded it down and painted it, you know. And, you know, it looked good for trading time, but, you know, it, it wouldn't. I'm surprised he didn't hit a railroad track on the way to the store. But the. <laughs> and so, you know, and I'm sorry, man, there just wasn't a valid argument right. I could make. <laughs> uh, but that kind of stuff happened all the time back then well, yeah well i remember there was a, a car i can't remember the exact car i want to say it was a tornado but the wheel wells on the inside of the trunk had rusted where the drip lines would come off the deck lid yeah and uh we opened up the trunk and i remember my used car manager looking up at me and we looked at each other and the guy had used license plates on the inside of his trunk to cover up all the rust holes and he had just welded them spot welded them together yeah. and then riveted them to the wall oh no <laughs> had a whole entire uh, bed of trunk and I, it was like I don't think I can do anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make any effort to hide it. No, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. <laughs> the whole trunk was full of license plates where he had to use license plates to cover oh, up the shit. rust holes. So true, uh, true, true. good times with those. So, well, yeah, Eric. So, I mean, you know, let's just take Aristotle down to three words. Yeah. Uh, credibility, emotion, and valid, mm -hmm. you know, and I, that's quite simply all this job is. Yeah. Anybody can do this job if they have the desire to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're in this job right now and you're not making good money per car, work on it. Work on these three things, the art of persuasion. And I'm sure there's a lot more stuff on the Internet about it.
Yeah, and you know, it's up to you guys. You know, you guys are out there, and today you get to decide whether you want to decide you want to be credible, uh, whether you want to go out there and tie the emotions of the product to the customer, and whether or not you're going to give a valid argument as to why you've got the best product out there. So go out there and do your part, guys, and remember that you're dressing yourself up for success. That means you're dressing for the job you want, not for the job you got. All right, you guys, go out there today, meet somebody new, have some fun, and sell a car. 